Our scripture reading is going to be from Acts 4, starting in verse 1 and going all the way through 31. And if you're using a pew Bible in front of you, that's going to be on page 911. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 1 through 31. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man standing before you well. This Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign had been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right to speak in the sight of God, to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what happened. For the man of whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they and when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together and said to God, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak 
your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the, the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you this morning on another Sunday, I pray that you would cause your spirit to move amongst us in a way that is changing and that is unforgettable, God. As we sit under your authoritative word, I pray that you would change us and that you would cause us to obey and cause us to be a people that radiates the love of Jesus to the world around us. And I pray that your spirit would, would speak through John to us with all power, God, and conviction. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. If you would please open your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Acts chapter 4. Hopefully you have. So, based on what we just read, some interesting things going on here in the early church. But I wanted to back up for just a minute and see what, what caused all this to happen. You know, what was going on that brought this about. So I put the first 10 verses of chapter 3 on the screen Hopefully, and we'll just read through those together. So this is what was going on. This is what caused the incident that we just heard about. Chapter 3 says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is about 3 o'clock. And a a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that's called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So that really was the very innocent beginning of what we talked about, or what you just read in chapter 4. So just kind of break that down a little bit. Peter and John were headed up to the temple, and they were just going there to pray. That's what they were, that was their whole intention as they walked up. So then here's this guy, he's looking for money. He has no idea what's going to happen to him in the next 15 seconds. His life is going to change forever. Remember, he was crippled from birth. So there's no explanation from this for this other than God did this. He doesn't know what balance is, though. He doesn't, I mean, let's face it. Someone's healed in the conventional sense, and you start out with a walker or braces and whatnot. You have to learn all these different things. 
No, the guy's leaping. This is obviously something that God has done. You need to keep that in mind as we look at what's going to happen here with the, the, the opposers of this event. So he, it's, it said he's jumping around and the people were filled with wonder and amazement. Aha, so, Paul, for, so Peter and John, they see this as an opportunity to preach the gospel. Because all these people are coming to see what's going on. So carpe diem, seize the moment, seize the day. And they did that. They preached the gospel and thousands of people, the word says, were saved that day. So God did this for this reason. If you remember, there was a man blind from birth, you know, and, the, and they said, who sinned that caused him to be blind? And Jesus said it had nothing to do with sin. You know, so here's another instance where a man is crippled from birth for the glory of God. Keep that in mind as well, because we're going to talk, we're going to see a lot of the sovereignty of God in all situations. All right, so going forward, I would just kind of start thinking about persecution of the church, of Christians. There's a, there's a, a path sometimes that's followed. And in this sense, we're going to look at that path of persecution. So first thing that happened, obviously, was opposition. So if you go to Acts chapter 4, go back there, and we'll just kind of look quickly at the verses that we read. And verses 1 through 3 is what I want to look at first, all right? And I'm just going to break this down a little bit. It said, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was evening already. All right, so what's going on here? First of all, what they didn't like was that they were speaking to the people, but that's what they were doing. God was at work, these people were hearing, and they were believing. So that God was speaking through the, the apostles to these people, and I have to wonder if the leaders saw that something is taking place here. Something is happening so who gets upset? It was the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees. The leaders, all of the leaders were upset. The priests, in this instance, were, they, they're referred to as just regular priests, who the, the prayer service that was coming up, they probably would have been leading that. All right, so they've got a schedule to keep, and we don't know this, but hey, you're stealing my thunder. I mean, we're going to lead service here, and these guys have kind of got their own service going. And they were irritated. For whatever reason, they were irritated. That's kind of my thinking, but who knows. The captain of the temple, when you see that, the captain of the temple guard, he was really like the chief of police. Um, the Romans who were occupying Israel allowed the Israelites a, a lot of freedoms because they were so fanatical. And they said, you know what? The Jews think... You know, they've, they've got their one true God and whatever. Let them have their way. Leave them alone because they're not going to spread and hurt our, our regime. So they gave the, the Jews a lot of freedoms. And the captain of the guard, he was in charge of keeping the peace at the temple. So you didn't have Roman guards there. They said, okay, fine. You make sure everything stays calm. You can do your job. So that's who he was. So here's this big, you know, mob gathering. And he's not real sure what's going on either. But the main people who weren't happy were obviously the Sadducees, the teachers. And the thing that set them off, if anybody would have been mad it was them, remember what I said a few weeks about the Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection, and that's why they were so sad. All right, the Sadducees. If you haven't heard that one before, it's, 
a really bad joke, but it helps you remember, doesn't it? So the reason the Sadducees were so sad, you see, was because they didn't believe there was a resurrection. And here are these guys that no one knew who have never been to school, who don't show up as leaders and aren't leaders, and they're talking about this resurrection, and they're talking about that Jesus guy who we killed to get rid of this. So this is a major irritant, right? So then the next phrase is, and here it says, they came upon them. And the connotation here really is that they pounced on them, all right? They came and said, stop this. It wasn't like they walked up and said, gentlemen, may I have a word, okay? This is going to stop, and it's going to stop now. And then they were greatly annoyed, again, because they were teaching the people. And again, it's, who were these guys, you know? We don't know what's going on here. Now, I will say this. There was a responsibility of the leadership to watch and protect the people from anyone speaking to the people. All right? God had said back in Deuteronomy that when someone's going to test or there's a sign or there's a miracle or something, that, that whoever brought that has to be tested. Because who, who's he going to say, well, this miracle came from such and such? And if it wasn't God, they were to be killed to protect the people from false teaching. So they did have something of a responsibility to do that, to, to, to investigate, all right? But they don't like them. They just flat out don't like them. And any talk of the resurrection is going to set them off. So these guys are problematic from the word go, right? So what happens next? The next thing is the persecution begins, all right? And what I'm going to call this is intimidation incident number one. Because that's where it starts for all of us, is intimidation. Verse 3 says they arrested them and they put them in custody until the next day. For you and me, it might be someday you're telling the gospel to someone. Or you're out on the street somewhere and you strike up a conversation. And God forbid this would ever happen, but a police officer might walk up to you and say, you want to go to jail? You want to go to jail for the night? I mean, that could happen. Someone could come up to you today and say, you want to lose your job? You want to get kicked out of school? Someone could come up to you and say, you do this every time we get together. Do you want to keep getting together? I grew up Roman Catholic. When I told my dad that I was no longer in the Catholic Church, we had this very difficult discussion. And as I was leaving to go back home, he was coming across the kitchen floor. I mean, I thought he's going to hit me. And you got to understand, but I think this applies to a lot of different situations. If you grow up Roman Catholic, especially if you're Irish, I mean, man, you got to root for Notre Dame where you're a dead guy, you know? So it's like that's your heritage, though. It's not just... Re, it's not just a denomination, it is your heritage. And, and I was basically saying, Dad, I reject everything you believe in, everything you've taught me. Nonetheless, I have to do that because it's false. It's not Jesus. It's not Christianity. But it's hard. And these things may happen to you if you stand up to whomever and say, no, this is the truth of the gospel. So this is kind of what they were facing, is intimidation, We'll cut you off, all right? So they say, arrested him, put him in jail, and they said, and so here's incident number two, intimidation number two, verse five and six. The next day, the rulers, their rulers, and elders and scribes, the big guns, 
they gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. Verse 7, And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, and this is the part where really they had a responsibility to do this, but they said, By what power or by what name did you do this? So, the rulers are all there. And the way this, the, the room was set up, if you look at Scripture and if you kind of study, the, there was, they all sat in a semicircle and they put you down there at the bottom. And so you've got the guys on the bleachers looking down at you. And these are the harumph, harumph guys with the bifocals. And, you know, they're wise and they're old and you're nobody. And they're going to intimidate you and they're going to fold their arms. And you're scared. I mean, people get intimidated. You know, it's, it's easy for me right now to stand up and talk about this, but you put me in that situation, I'm not real sure how I'm going to do. Okay, so that's what's happening, is they, they set them in their midst, which means they put them down there, and, you know, they got the bright light on their faces and scaring them to death. And they said, by what power, by what name? And, and when they say what name, that's not just a person. It's like what entity or what God, you might say, you know, did you do this? I mean, where are you guys coming from? All right, and then they go through the whole explanation. And if you go down to verse 18, this is next. The intimidation moves to a command. I'm telling you very plainly. You guys hear me. They call them and they charge them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. So the intimidation is passed and now it's down to brass tacks. We've made it perfectly clear what, we're, what we want and what we don't want. You are not to do this ever, ever again. Remember this as well. In that day, if you were a Jew and you spoke of Jesus and you accepted Christianity, you were no longer a part of the temple worship. You were excommunicated. You were out. And it was very familial. It was very... Um, it was a network. I mean, you couldn't work. You were basically cutting yourself off from everybody if you were a Christian. So it wasn't easy. And when they say this, you know, you're, you're putting a big wall between you and everything you know. So that's what was going on there. But that was not the end of it. That command was the beginning, really, because persecution always escalates. All right, look what's coming. In chapter 5, you don't need to turn there, we see the apostles being beaten because they didn't stop talking. So now they're being beaten up. And at the end of chapter 7, we see Stephen being stoned to death. In fact, if you would turn to chapter 8, please, in the book of Acts. Should just be a couple of pages over. We're going to look at um, just the beginning of it. Just the first uh, three verses... And Saul approved of whose execution? Of Stephen's execution. You can read on your own chapter 7 where Stephen is executed, right? Stoned to death. And Saul, who later became Paul the Apostle, approved of this. And here we go then. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the Apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. 
the persecution has begun. Almost overnight. One incident and things went crazy. And I don't know if you're like me, but it seems like in, in the world that we live in, things are cruising along and something happens and all of a sudden everyone's attention is focused here and things can change overnight. I've been amazed sometimes to see incidents in the world. I was like, I never could have thought it would have happened that quickly, but it does. And this is another example of it, all right? There are entities that we can't see. There are demons and there are angels and there is a battle going on that we can't see. And you need to keep that in mind, all right, as you see incidents in the world unfold. But here's the thing, and we need to remember this so much, folks. Chapter, verse 4, look at verse 4. Those who were scattered in fear for their lives, who went to Judea and Samaria, went about preaching the word. They had said, the leaders had said, we want to squash this. We want to stop this thing. So we'll warn you not to do it, and then we'll, we'll come after you for doing it. So the church flees and the church spreads. And this, I've heard someone say, the church is like a grape that gets smashed. When persecution comes and the violence begins, Christianity spreads like crazy. It's the truth. I do believe that one of the reasons American Christianity is so tainted and so slow is because we're not persecuted. We really don't face anything. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But that's a big deal. All right, so now we come to our, our actual text. So remember what we just talked about. None of this has happened yet when we get to our text. All right, so we're going to go back to chapter 4 and verse 23. So John and Peter were told not to say another word, right? I'm going to say Paul at some point, by the way, so just forgive me when I get there. I don't know why. It's kind of in my brain for some reason. And verse 23 says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Stop there. So we come back tonight at 5 o'clock, and we find out that whoever you want, the elders, the deacons, you and the pews, anybody, a group of us, got hauled off by some group, you know, the, the police will say, and, and told, don't do that. And so we come back tonight and everybody's like, I can't believe that happened today. Well, we're meeting at five o'clock. We'll see what happened. And, and you come back in and they go, guys, what happened? You go, well, they told us to shut up. They said, stop it now. Stop it for good. What do we do? What would you do? I'm going to repeat myself here. Well, let's get out of here. Let's just, let's find a place that won't persecute us. I don't want to get beat up. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want any things to happen. Maybe we just should just shut up. Maybe we should just stop this. We believe it's all good. Maybe we should just keep to ourselves. God will take care of the rest, won't he? Maybe we could modify our message. Maybe we could be ecumenical. Maybe we could find common ground with the government. And we'll just work together and we'll find out what's really offensive to them and we'll just leave that out. And that way we'll all get along. Maybe that's what we could do. Or just tone it down. Or just tone it down and don't confront people with their sin. You ever heard that before? Just tone it down. Why do you have to talk about sin so much? Let's talk about salvation. 
Let's talk about Jesus and the wonderful things that God is loving. Let's just stay there. I got news for you. That's not exactly what happened when the apostles were talking. And I'll get to that in a minute. But they came and they told them what had happened. And this is what they did. Verse 24. When they heard it, they lifted their voices. They prayed. When the church met its first real dose of persecution, the church prayed. And they prayed together. They prayed as one. Again, when the church met its first dose of real persecution, they prayed as one. Isn't it amazing when things get difficult, how your, your perception of things and how your, your, uh, your perspective is just not the same? I got news for you if you're a gray Rodian. I'm your brother. Sorry. I know I'm kind of strange. I get that. But I got news for you. I'm sitting here looking at some strange people. Well, I got no choice. You're my brothers and you're my sisters. By God's design, this congregation has been brought together and we have been placed together because God wants us to be a body of Christ within the greater body of Christ. We should hurt for each other when bad things happen. We should rejoice with each other when good things happen. But do, taking it a step further, and I don't think this is wrong, Kurt said, what is of first importance? Isn't it amazing how I could have three things on my list that are of great importance? I've got a deadline today at work. I've got, I got, I don't know, I get taxes to the mailbox by midnight or whatever. And... Um, some other third thing that uh, we'll just say is very important, okay? And I'm on my way to, oh, the, I'm going to watch a game tonight. There's a, there's a game I've heard tonight. There's some guy in our presence by today, by the way, that's wearing a number 12 jersey. And it's a blue jersey, so I'm sure it's Andrew Luck's jersey, but I'm not sure. But we're a loving church. So we're just going to move on. Just going to move on, and it's all going to be good, right? All right. Take a deep breath with me. It's all going to be okay. So I'm on my way to get all this done, because I'm going to watch Andrew Luck tonight. And so on my way there, I have an accident. And I go over the side of the bridge, and I'm in a river, a lake, whatever. And the car is going down, and I'm stuck. And I'm trying to get out. And I don't know which way's up. And as I finally get the door open, I'm in the water. I'm looking to see. It's dark. I'm trying to see bubbles, something that shows me which way is up. And I can't breathe. And suddenly, none of that matters to me, does it? Because I can't breathe. And all I know right then is that I can't breathe. And what I'm saying is, when your brothers and your sisters are being persecuted, everything else should go away. I hate it when I see pettiness in Christians. I know that we are all flesh and that we struggle. But these are your brothers and your sisters, and they're different than you, and you're different from them. And God is not pleased when there's not unity in his church. 
It shouldn't be that persecution brings unity, but it often does. But that's where they were. They were being persecuted and they came together as one and they prayed together as one. And here's another important thing. They came together and they prayed to God. They didn't sit and wring their hands and folks, let's face the facts. That can be a tendency when bad things happen to go, oh no, oh no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? That's human nature, but it's not Christian nature. Pray. Pray, 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 pray to God. Pray as one. If we're not getting together, you pray on your own. Call somebody, pray together. But that's what the church does and should do when it's persecuted, is they prayed as one. We need to remember that. I do believe persecution is coming to the church from a government stance. I got to tell you, so what? We're here as we don't live here. We are Christians. Our home is heaven. We're on a journey and we are to witness to this world no matter what it looks like. No matter what it looks like. And we may be persecuted. We don't know. I know as a father, I, I'm worried. That's sinful. But I, I worry for my kids' future in this country. But I think my parents and their parents and their parents, everybody had that same fear. Right? But it really doesn't matter because we are Christians. And no matter what situation you are in today, you are a light in a dark world. Right? Does your life show that? It should. Every day. Alright? Now, here's the whole key to the whole thing. They got together. They prayed to God. And the prayer says this. And they said, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. Who's in control of everything, right? That's what sovereignty is. Who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And by the way, he made everything. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's Jesus Christ. This is, this is Psalm 2 is where this comes from. If you mark your Bibles, you might want to circle the word why and note that that means it's a gasp. It's a plea. It's, a, it's an I don't understand. Oh, my goodness type of plea. Why, God? Why? Why are they doing this? Why can't they see the fruitlessness of this? Why can't they see that you are God? You know, I've talked before about the eternity of God. And, and when we say God is eternal, I, I know I'm repeating myself from a few weeks back, but we think of linear. We think, well, God never began and God will never end. And you think of the thing in school where you had an arrow that goes to infinity, you know what I mean? But God is not just a linear being, obviously. He fills up Every aspect, every inch, if you will, of eternity and of time and of every everything. And so here we have the nations, whoever this might be in any different era, saying, I'll show God. 
I'll win over God. I'll beat him. The, the, that's basically what Psalm 2 is saying here. It's like, this is insanity. But I will say, have you ever stood up and fought with God? I have. I'm oh and a thousand. He wins every single time. From my benefit, by the way. But this is what they're saying. This is crazy. Why are they doing this? And why have they come out against Jesus? Verse 27. For truly, he's, he's, now he's saying it's come to pass. He says, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. In other words, everybody. The world came against Jesus. You're anointed. But who's in control here? I love this verse. They came together against him to do what? Verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. If you were a Christian, nothing, nothing has ever or will ever come into your life that God didn't say yes. Amen. All right? Now, that's easy to stand here and say. But there are an awful lot of people going through an awful lot of really terrible things in this church. We all know that. Horrible things happen on planet Earth. Horrible, horrible things. And God allows it. I'll tell you my theology is this. Sin was unleashed on the world by man. Sin kills. It kills everything. It is blacker than we can possibly imagine. And when I see these horrible things happen in the world to the friends or to family or whomever, my first thought is that's how bad sin is. When you see un unfathomable things that humans do to other humans, and you go, how? And where is God? God is saying, that's what sin does. You go all the way back to Cain and Abel, sin just poured out onto the world and got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. No one ever used to, they call it, shoot up schools. That never happened. It's spreading like crazy. The, the sin in the world is just so pervasive and so progressive. And God, we need to see that, all right? For your own life, when you're tempted to sin, please understand the horrible thing about sin. It separates God, people from God for eternity, forever, all right? God allows it. He does. But, again, verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined. All right? I mean, Kurt said it again this morning. He talked about before the foundation of the world. Same thing here. Same exact thing. Your plan, your predestined plan, knew all this would take place. Every bit of it. So that's what he's saying. Verse 29 and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Okay, so they, they pray scripture back to God, which is a good thing to do in, in, from Psalm 2. And they say, now, God, and not as if God can't see, it's okay to say this. You just point it out to God and say, this is a situation, God. He knows that. But you tell him. 
That's very biblical to do that. Look upon your threats and then act on that, God. Grant to your servants. Okay, please, we, this is our prayer to you. This is our prayer that you would help us. Grant us to do what? To continue to speak your word and to do so with boldness. All that stuff I talked about, watering down the word, watering down the message, not confronting sin. That can't happen. We've, we can't do that. Turn back to chapter 3. Speak with boldness. That's what he said. Go to chapter 3 and we're going to look at verses 12 through 21. I did the unpardonable. I, I took a pew Bible and marked on it. Can you believe that? That's awful. I'll put it back. Okay, verse 12 from chapter 3. This is what Peter and John said at the temple. This is not a watered down message. Here we go. Men of Israel... Why do you wonder at this, at what just happened with the lame guy? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, watered down, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. Here you go again. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to us and you killed the author of life. That's pretty straight shooting. And then he makes this magnificent shift. The author of life, whom God, by the way, raised from the dead. So he tells them at once their sin and he tells them what God did. And he says, to this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. That's conviction. He tells him exactly what just happened, and look at this now. He goes into an invitation. Verse 17, and now, brothers, I know, I understand that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers who were standing here listening to us. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ, his Savior, would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Here we go. Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Amen. That's what they got in trouble for. For speaking the truth, because the truth hurts. And you sit here and you, if you really look at the text, you go, well, how could the rulers ignore the fact that this guy was walking around? How could they not be amazed by that? Listen, Scripture says... For those who are perishing, the gospel is ridiculous. They don't understand it. And they can't see it, all right? Remember the story of Lazarus that Jesus told. Who, who, Lazarus was in, you know, uh, Abraham's bosom. He had died. And there's this guy who's burning. He's like, hey, can I go back and tell my brothers that this is real? That there is a, a finality to life. And Jesus said, even if the dead came back, they wouldn't believe it. So that's out there. But this is what they got in trouble for, 
for preaching the gospel and being very direct. I mean, they offered him eternal life. Okay, but there's you've got to confront people's sin because that is the issue of the day for every human being. So that's what they said. That's what they were praying for, to be able to continue to speak that kind of boldness into people's lives. And God granted that prayer. They continued to do that, and the persecution increased as well. Verse 30. Uh, verse 29, continue to speak your word with all boldness. Ah, now, while you, God, stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We can't do this, God, without you. Obviously, this was the, the, the early days of the church. There were miracles taking place. You go, well, I, I could ask God, but I don't think that's going to happen. All right? Listen, God has given us his word. All right? And the same thing is going on here. You could, you could tell a person or you could perform a miracle and just like these guys, it doesn't mean they're going to believe it. Our task now is to say, when someone says, where do you get this? To say, I got it right here. I got it from God's word because that's how God has spoken to us in these days. And so you tell them the word of God and God takes care of the rest. We don't save anybody. God saves. We are called upon to present the gospel to people. All right. So that's what we do. And so they said in that day, hey, continue to show yourself, continue to do this. We would say, God, help me to know the word. All right. Open someone's eyes is what they might say today. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Again, this was the early church. Uh, if the room shakes tonight, I'll be impressed. All right, we'll keep you guys coming back. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we pray, all right? Don't look at things like this and go, well, that never happens to me. All right, God is, again, I can't tell you how important it is that God has spoken through his word. All right, you go to Hebrews, that's what God said, that in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. His son is the word, right? And this is the word that we have. Um, I remember I was thinking about this this week. When I was 18 years old, and I was down in our basement for some reason, and and praying to God, and I and sitting down in this cluttered basement, and and saying, God, I w I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus Christ. And I, I have my eyes closed. I'm like, please, God, I'll believe more if you just show me Jesus. And I sat there for a minute. And I opened my eyes, and right in front of me was a ping pong table. Not Jesus. Rats, right? The signs don't matter, okay? The miracle, what, did you think I was going to say Jesus? Yeah, that would have been a problem, trust me. That was bad theology. No, I mean, it, it didn't happen, okay? We don't need that. We got God's word, okay? That's where we go. Listen. When the church is persecuted, the church prays. When you are persecuted, you pray. That's what this is all about. You pray, though, for a reason. You pray so that you can carry the word to the world with boldness. Right? I will tell you this. You're sitting here this morning... If you 
know that I just go to church because I have to or because I'm supposed to. But really, I have never given my life to God. You've gone a ways and then pulled back. And you know that. You know that it, absolutely you know it. Would you do these things? Would you go that far? I'm not telling you that if you fail one day and you, don't, you fail when you're witnessing to someone. I, I do a lot better telling my friends and people how I, I messed up and didn't seize the opportunity. I do it all the time. Man, I had a chance to talk to somebody about God today and I didn't do it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that you're not a Christian if that happens. What I'm saying is, what is the most important thing in your life? Is it God? Is it Jesus Christ? Really? Think that through. Because people are deceived. You know, looking at miracles, Jesus talks about in that day, someone will come to me and said, I proclaimed your name and I cast out demons and we did all these miracles. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. You got to know again that there are demons in this world and that Satan disguises himself and appears as an angel of light. And you will see fantastic things done and think that must be God. But what's the message behind it? What is the message? Is it Jesus Christ? Is it the fact that there's salvation through no other than Jesus Christ? If not, throw it out, no matter what you see. But if you're sitting here today and you know I've never done that, I've never given my life to God, do that this morning. What have you got to lose? What do you have to gain? Eternity in heaven. For those of you who are Christians, if you're not being persecuted, I'll just be straight up with you. Why not? Persecution is part of being a Christian. Blessed are the persecuted, God said. Share your faith with people, the world around you. You say, well, I don't talk to that many people. Go find them. Make a way. The world is lost. All we're doing is sharing the word with them. Okay? Let's pray, folks. Father, again, it's very easy to stand here and say it. But as I just said, I can cite the failures more often than the times when I spoke boldly. None of us wants to be rejected. None of us wants to be ostracized or to, kick, to be kicked out. I mean, we love our friends and we love our family. And it's a scary thing to think that they may reject us. But we can't love them more than we love you. And we've got to see that we have the message of salvation for them. And that you have called on us, you, God, the God of the universe, the God who sent his son to the cross for us, have commanded us to do this. So God, give us that boldness that these apostles had. Give us the wisdom to know how to present your word. And God, keep our noses in your word so that we know what your word is. That is my prayer. I pray for anyone here who is being persecuted or the persecution that's coming. God, my prayer for my brothers and sisters here is that you would strengthen us and strengthen them when the difficult times come. There are so many sitting here right now 
thinking, I don't know if I'll ever face something like that, but you don't know and they don't know. If you're sitting here today, you just don't know. So God, empower us all to be bold. God, I thank you for Jesus Christ so much. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. And I ask that you would continue to guide us and that we would do all things for you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.